challenges. Whether it is in schoolwork and projects, in relationships, or jobs, or one of many life's lessons that will be thrown at them. It is our responsibility to remind them that in finding their independence, we as their church family will always be here for them and this will be a place they can return to and call home. Class of 2020, you were born into this world during the 9-11 uh, event, world event, and you are graduating during a pandemic. You are strong. You bring hope. We stand together with you and we send you out as one of us. We're sending you out as a missionary representing God. And we love you and we wish you God's blessings today and forevermore. I'm going to read a verse from Isaiah 41, and it's verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Tess, we're going to present to you a, a gift, if you'll want to come on up. And I encourage the elders, if y'all want to come up at this time, Randy's done a word of word of prayer. to ask uh, Chad and Gretchen to, to come up here as uh, they make their way uh, you guys ought to be very very proud and, uh, and don't scream too loud because of empty nest type thing but, but just control yourselves but uh, Tess has been a huge example to our youth group and the people that are around her and uh, she just shows a real special energy about her that that kind of goes unnoticed, unseen. You know, the bread, handing the bread out to our, our visitors. You know, she has been the one who essentially led that and has done that for, for a long, long time. And, um, and I always see her at camp and at camp walking and, and doing things and just talking. And, and you know, her circle is, is one of those that, that is very welcoming to come in today only six feet but um, <laughs> but <laughs> but the thing about it is is that as we as parents and you see your kids and as they grow and they get ready to to turn that page and head into the next chapter of their lives the key thing is that that foundation that has been laid there in front of them uh, you know they're fixing to go out on their own but then all they get up and they go to church and get up get a part of a church family is really an important thing and when they do that on their own without parents telling them this is what you need to do you know you've done something right let's pray our father i just like to lift Tess up to you at this time uh, she uh, heads into the next uh, portion of her life and she goes off to college and and then with her roommates and the other people that she comes in contact I just ask that you uh, watch over her, be with her mom and dad as uh, that last one leaves, it is a little difficult and, 
and um, the emotions that go with that, but also just knowing that, uh, that you're there, the love that you have for this child, and, uh, and know this child is now an adult, and that uh, your caring and your love for them has never changed. I just ask that you as a church here reach out and uh, through our college program and sending those letters and staying in contact with her uh, just shows the importance that, that they have meant to us. Go with the test as she uh, goes forward. Uh, just ask that you um, guide her steps and let those who come in contact with her see the presence of you in her life. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Sorry. This next song is one that Tess picked out. It was one of her favorites. I, I really like the words in it. And so I hope everyone sings along. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of us tears. This is my father's world, I rest in the thought of and trees of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world, the birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. My Father's world, He shines in all that's there. In the rustling grass I hear Him pass, He speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world, oh let me never forget that Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. 
Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Amen. Good morning. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Good morning. Man, it's great to be here with you today. Uh, unlike most of the time when we extend the invitation to seniors to pick a song or two out, um, I, I had this hesitation, uh, not, not a hesitation in asking, but, but it took a while for the message to come back. And then uh, I got this message, said, well, I've been through the entire songbook and we have it down to 18 at this point, so um, <laughs> A very diligent process, and, and I want to say, Tess, you've already preached a beautiful sermon today. This is our Father's world. Somebody say amen. And uh, for uh, one of our graduates to affirm that, we appreciate it very, very much. When you open this book, you really never know what you're going to find. It is a powerful book. It is God's revelation to it. it it is what he intended for us to hear and for us to carry forward from this place. Sometimes, yes, you read it and you're comforted. Sometimes you read it and, and you just can't help but swell with the joy of seeing God at work in his world. And we, we're astounded by all that he can do. But there are also times when we, when we are called and challenged, things that kind of confront us there. And then, of course, there are the times that we read and we're very confused. How does this fit into the story of God? One of those books that uh, kind of gives us, a, a, we might call it the yo-yo book, the up, down, up, down, up, down book. Unfortunately, like uh, my yo-yo always used to do, you know, it went, it's going good for a while, but eventually it kind of gets a little lower and you can't quite, and, and that's what goes on. It is one of the most intriguing books in the Bible. But it also gives us some great inspiration and maybe a little bit different than so many other sections of the Bible where you have these heroes of faith and you think, I could never do that. You kind of run into the people in the judges and you, you, we may stand back and be aghast. <gasps> How could they? And yet, well, maybe if we're honest with ourselves, I might have made the same kind of mistakes in my own life. One of the most inspiring sections of the book of Judges is the story of Deborah and Barak and Jael. And we're going to read from parts of that story. So if you would open with me, and if you're at home, open up your Bible to Judges chapter 4, and let's read together from the opening of that chapter. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. But the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoim. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Okay, all right. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. The word cruelly there is an excessive kind of word. It's a word that's intended to make us kind of pull back in a little bit of horror. All the bad things you've heard about leaders that have done on conquered peoples. That's what the text is telling us about. And because of this cruel oppression, they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, Deborah. Deborah, a prophet, the life, wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. 
She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River. And I will give him into your hands. As with every story in the Judges, it follows a relatively predictable and repeated cycle. A redemptive leader is raised up. Uh, death of that redeeming leader follows at some point. And from the death of the leader, the people fall into what is called they do evil in the sight of the Lord. What's different about this section of scripture other than the Samuel and the Kings and Chronicles is that as opposed to the king does evil in, it is the people who do evil in the sight of the Lord. They are conquered or, or oppression comes upon them and then they cry for help and the cycle calls again, cry, comes about again because every single time that they cry to help the Lord, the Lord sends some redemptive leader. But as with most times, just like us, when we fail, they, when they failed this time particularly had an excuse. They said, and the writer makes sure that we understand it, that there are 900 chariots with iron-rimmed wheels. And this would scare anyone. First of all, a chariot gives an archer the opportunity to advance much closer than he normally would. And he can fire from a, a moving position, a skilled archer particularly. And then the other thing that you might be afraid of is that if I'm an infantryman and here comes a phalanx of, of uh, chariots... I get run over by the chariots. And of course, what the charioteer particularly likes to do is to shoot an arrow, kill somebody, and then run over them. There's a lot to be afraid of here. Israel was not well equipped. They did not have a strong central leadership, and that seems to be God's plan for them at this time. Instead, that they were to rely on Him. They didn't have an armory that they went to to pick things up. And so when someone puts together enough resources, Jabin and his general Sisera, puts together enough resources to put together a military force like this, it makes an easy excuse. We do evil because there are bad guys. We do evil because we can't help it. There is something bigger going on than us. And we don't have the opportunity to stand up the way we would. If these 900 chariots were, weren't here, we would be glad to stand up. But, but God, there's 900 chariots. And they're not just any chariots. They're, and, and you've got a lot of different translate iron-rimmed wheels or iron-clad chariots, whatever it may be. It had to have been a fearsome and awesome sight coming over the hill. But the presence of great and terrible foe does not displace Deborah's courageous, and I'm going to use the word, courageous hope in the Lord. Deborah saw a better future. Deborah held on to God and said, no, 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 this is not what God wants for us. And let's continue reading. Judges chapter 4, picking up in verse 14. 
Then Deborah said to Barak, who seems to be the guy that they rely on to kind of assemble an army, Up, go, for this is the day on which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tamar with 10,000 warriors following him. And the Lord threw Sisera and his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And while Barak pursued the chariots, the army, to Harosheth HaGoyim. Let's see you get up here and call that name out. That's, that's all I have to say. The Lord is indeed going out before you. If you uh, go to Google and do image search for Deborah from the Bible, you have to be that specific. There are lots of Deborahs, but Deborah from the Bible, she's always in this position. I don't know what it is. She's always got her hand up, and I think it's this line. Go! Go, Barak! It's time now. The Lord is going to do something powerful. The Lord is going to do something wonderful. The Lord is going to do something great. And he wants to use all of us in that process. Go! Because the Lord is indeed going out before you. The song of Deborah and Barak that is in the following chapter gives us a little more vivid picture. It's not just that the army falls into confusion, but God has a unique how of how he's going to accomplish this great victory. There are two sections that refer to it. Judges chapter 5, we'll start with verse 4 and then we'll skip down a little later in the chapter. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook. Now again, you have to imagine the sound that 900 iron chariots make when they're coming down a hill, or particularly what they like to do is to come across a plain or a valley. But you, the Lord, when you came down, the earth shook, and the heavens poured, and the clouds poured down water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. Skipping down to verse 20, if you're in chapter 5. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. And what I think you need to imagine, and maybe if you were up early enough this morning, you saw a little lightning in the sky before the sun came out. But the idea is God is waging war and lightning is coming down. A storm has brewed along the Kishon River. The river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon. March on, my soul be strong. Then, and I love this image, then thundered the horse's hooves. It's not the hooves of Sisera. It is the hooves of God's powerful army that is coming to the aid of his people, galloping, galloping, go his mighty steeds. One cannot help but be vividly reminded of God's defeat of Pharaoh's army. And we might say many years ago, but this isn't a hundred, maybe more, maybe less, excuse me, maybe less years before, that God defeats Pharaoh's army without Israel lifting a single hand They passed through the open Red Sea and Pharaoh charged his chariots down through uh, that same opening only to discover that God was holding it back for his people, 
not for his people's enemy. And so whether you see it in Cecil B. DeMille's, don't we love? And, and, uh, or maybe the, the exodus of gods and kings, uh, whatever image you see of it, the way that God conquered the enemy is a powerful, powerful thing. It may be even that the words of this song uh, may have been the inspiring uh, element to Peter Jackson's uh, image of what he would do in his movie, not the book, but his movie called The Fellowship of the Ring, the first in the trilogy where Arwen is bearing Frodo on horse. He's been pierced by a dark sword and he is dying. And she had, the Nazgul, the dark riders, come to confront her at a river. And the river, she calls the river to come and fight for her. And the river, if you remember the scene, you may have to go back a little while, the river comes down not just as water, but horses surging down the stream and they wipe away the enemy. As chapter 4 and chapter 5 unfold, chapter 5 is a song that tells us basically the same kind of things that go on in chapter 4. But as with most songs, we get a, a little bit more of the color. We get a little bit more of the energy. We see a little bit more of, of the power that's going on when we sing it. So in chapter 5, we still have this kind of confusion. Because at one level, the writer of Judges is keeping us in a bit of a confusing unpredictability as we question who will be God's deliverer. In every other story of the judges, and again, there haven't been that many by the time we get to chapter 4, we have a very clear person. Here is who God calls, and they act, and we follow them, and we are redeemed. In chapters 4 and 5, we're introduced to three major characters. Deborah who is called the judge, but it seems to be that she's a little bit different kind of judge. She sits under... By the way, I don't know how a good judge you have to be to have the tree named for you, right? But they had the tree of Deborah, and she sat under the tree of Deborah, and people came to her to get their disputes settled. But she was also not just an arbiter. She was someone that God spoke to, and this connects her directly to the rest of the judges in the book of Judges. And in fact, we'll connect her to the kings and the prophets that follow after her. God speaks to them and directs them, and she is unafraid because she, her heart continues to be shaped by the hope of a peaceful homeland for God's people. She continues to be shaped by God's promise that he'll bring them into this flourishing land and that they, it will be theirs forever. And because she receives a vision from God or a message from God, however we want to quantify it, she is willing to stand up and speak. But we're also led to identify Barak. Barak who says, I'm not going if you don't go with me. And again, if you read different versions of the text, what you discover is that there's a little bit different ways of approaching it. And I don't think it's at all that Barak is, is standing back and quivering in fear. Oh, I'm not going if you don't come. But he's saying, you delivered the message. You're the one that God is speaking through. I, want, I don't want to go without the messenger of God with me. And we didn't have time today. One of the great junior high boy Bible studies is from Judges chapter 4. Because you have poor old Sisera running away from his chariot. and He happens to go to the wrong tent. He goes to Jael's tent. 
And he asks for water and she gives him milk and kind of settles him down. Good. The song says not only milk, but curds in the milk. Oh, he's, he's sleeping good. It's like I, when I really need to sleep, I take an, an Advil PM. And boy, it's out, right? And, and, and so she gives him his Advil PM and he goes out. But in this peaceful moment, J.L. then, and, and, and it's, it's, it's wonderful the way the text says it. In her left hand, she takes... The tent steak. And in her tent steak, there we go, the tent steak, and in her right hand she takes the mallet. just want to be sure you know, the mallet is not the typical tool in the woman's uh, repertoire. This is not a meat grinder. This is, this is the, the mallet. And she places it to his temple and drives it through his temple. In chapter 4, Deborah will say, if I go with you... Uh, the glory of, of defeating Sisera will not be used, yours, it will be a woman. And to a certain extent, we think, ah, oh, of course, Deborah's the woman. But Deborah is not the woman. Jael is the woman. A foreigner, in reality. A foreigner who's moved away from the people, but who God uses in this moment to bring about his redemption from the people. Yes, the army's been defeated. But particularly in these days, it was so important that the leader be identified and driven out. But as with all stories from the Bible, and, and let's go a step further, as with all stories in our lives, the primary actor is still the Lord our God. Somebody say amen. It is the Lord our God that inspires Deborah. It is the Lord our God that goes with them. It is the Lord our God that causes this storm, brings forth this storm that creates as opposed to a a firm plane for Sisera's 900 chariots to run over the Israelites who creates a flood. It both bogs them down and washes them away and allows an infantry to completely overwhelm them. So let us affirm a lesson that I want to speak into for this story today. That God always uses those who hope in Him, God always uses those whose hope in Him drives them to participate with Him. God will always use those who keep their hope and their foundation in Him, and He will use them because they are driven to participate with God. Hope is never timid. Hope is never cowardly. If, if you identify the emotion as you sit and quaver in the darkness, oh, I sure hope it turns out okay, you're actually wishing. You're not hoping by any biblical definition of the word. Instead, it was Deborah who saw hope for what God could do. And I want to say this. It was 10,000 men from Issachar and Nebulum who said, if Barak calls us to go, We don't care what the enemy is. We believe God can do something. We hope in what God can do. And they went with him. They participated with him. And none of their names are recorded. Any more than than the way that you step up in your hope for God and to trying and bringing in his, his greater and more wonderful vision of what the world should be, of what your life should be, of what your family should be what your workplace should be, what your neighborhood should be. Your name may never be recorded for that. 
But God will know. And it will make a difference. So the question today that I want to bring to you, and I'll close with this question. What are your iron chariots? What are the things that you point at and say, yes, God, I would, I would do more if it weren't for that. Yes, God, I would hope more in you if it weren't for this. Yes, God, I would be more of the person that you want me to do except for this. Peter did a great job of enumerating the challenges that has faced not just Tess, but Tess's generation. I remember growing up as a child in Temple, Texas, we're about 30 miles from uh, Fort Hood, which at that time, and I think still, is the largest military base in the United States. I think it's now the largest military base in the world. There used to be a Russian one, but that's all fallen apart. And in our school, we would do these things called fallout drills. You don't do those anymore. We would get under the desk, not because there was a fire, not because there was a shooter, but because we were anticipating that there might be a nuclear attack. The year I was born was when Khrushchev was trying to get nuclear missiles onto Cuba. And I think they said we would have 30 minutes warning if one of those was launched. And we could have said, well, the fear is too great. What I pretty quickly figured out is that if the nuclear bomb was anywhere close to as powerful as they said it was, we weren't going to have time to hide under the desk, nor would it do any good, because Fort Hood would be on the target list and going to be gone. So what's the use of hoping? What's the use of straining to be what God wants us to be if we're just going to be vaporized? What's the use of Longing for things greater than where you are if the world's simply going to be at the whim of a virus. What are your iron chariots? And how does God call us, no matter what the chariot looks like or how it's described or how powerful it is, God calls us to say exactly what the song say, said, this is our Father's world and we will not be shaken. We have a living hope that is greater than any brokenness this world presents us. Amen. And greater than any sin that is inflicted on this world. A living hope. A sure and promised future. And I want to go so far as to say a present. The final stanza of the song in Judges 5 reads this way. So perish all your enemies, O Lord. Um, I think I like the translation here. It's not a passive thing. May your enemies perish, but it instead is an active thing. Lord, act to defeat your enemies. If Jesus Christ and the resurrection aren't living into that, then I don't know what is. But may your friends be like the sun as it rises in its might. Tess, I just want to tweak the words just a little bit for you. So defeat every evil that confronts her, Lord. And as she holds to her, lift her like the sun as it rises in its might.
You were despised, you were rejected, Lord, those who passed by, even a buried wreckage from the side. Such was the suffering you bore for us. Led like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent, though you did no wrong. Nor was deceitfulness found in you. Yet by your wounds our salvation has come. Yet by your suffering our freedom is won. For God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on those things that are different, right? Do you ever walk back into your living room and somebody's moved the furniture a little, even a little bit, right? You, you keep kind of noticing that that is not where it normally is. And so in that process, we, right, keep noticing how different everything is. And so our minds just constantly turn to the, this isn't the same. This isn't right. Am I supposed to put new, how do you do the, I forget the shortcut, right? All of those kinds of things that kind of clutter up our minds day to day to day, trying to make the adjustment. 
And one of the things that I find to be very comforting and very reassuring and centering is the fact that we continue to do something that we've done, some of us for many, many years, in taking um, communion each week. And that draws us back to, to, to center our thoughts on what really our lives is based on, and that is Jesus himself. This morning I'd like to read uh, from John 14, uh, a passage that's recorded um, the night that Jesus uh, met with his disciples when he was facing death itself, um, had, had a lot of right, things going through his mind. He um, met with them, began this uh, uh, memorial that, that we uh, take, place, uh, take part in even today. Uh, in John 14, he gave them these words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life here on earth, for the way that he showed us your love for us, the way that he showed us how you intend for us to live uh, as humans, to, to live perfectly aligned to your will. Lord, we thank you uh, for the way that he blessed those around him. But we thank you for the way that he honored you and all the things that he did. Lord, we thank you that he gave his very life for us so that we might be restored and made right in your eyes. We ask that you would uh, be with us now as we take this bread. Help it to uh, remind us of Jesus. Help it to uh, strengthen our resolve to, to live more in tune with, uh, with your word as you would have us to, to live. It's in his name we pray. Amen. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That promise that Jesus made that he is the way and the truth and the life um, is something that we hold to as we take this. This is our hope uh, for our own future, right, is that Jesus has become that way back to the Father through what he's done for us. And so as we uh, take this cup... Uh, Let's uh, remember that together. Let's pray. Dear God, again, we thank you for Jesus, for his willingness to offer his very life on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that uh, his blood has uh, atoned for our own sin. Uh, we're sorry for those things. We are truly grateful that he has restored us to you. And we ask that as we take this, that again, we would be uh, strengthened and inspired and um, encouraged to, to live more in line with the way Jesus lived. We ask it all in his name.
First of all, uh, Betty, earlier in the week, Betty Stark fell and uh, broke her wrist. She didn't have to stay in the hospital. We believe that she's had a repertory surgery for that already, but she's being well taken care of and not by herself. Her granddaughter is there with her. We uh, got word um, last night that uh, the Miller's uh, daughter, uh, Christy Moncrief, um, who was seven and a half months pregnant, uh, went to the doctor for an appointment and they couldn't find a heartbeat um, on the baby. So uh, the Millers are in Lubbock um, and they're trying to deliver that baby as we speak. Please, please keep the Millers in your prayers and the Moncriefs in your prayers as this morning unfolds. That's the latest I have on that. Uh, last night, uh, about uh, 6 o'clock, I think it was, Alan Barger. Um, Misty and Alan Barger, Alan Barger, not sorry, Mindy and Alan Barger. Alan left the house um, to run a little errand and apparently on the way, what uh, to us at this point has been reported as a uh, aneurysm of some sort struck him and he died basically instantaneously. Thankfully, he was still in the neighborhood. The vehicle was not moving fast. Uh, it came to rest without hitting anyone. Uh, but Alan um, leaving uh, his, his and Mindy's son, Trace, but also the, the majority of those boys know him as his dad, um, leaving them uh, without a father at the moment. Um, it was a very difficult evening to be with that family, and they need your prayers. Uh, all of these situations need your prayers, and we're going to lift them up at this time. Our Father and our God, we, we come to you because you are the one place, the one unmovable stone the foundation that never shakes. We come to you um, all the time, but Father, we, we grasp for your presence. We grasp for your hand of assurance. We long for your presence and peace and comfort when life does things that are utterly and completely senseless. We live in a broken world where disease and sickness and death still rears its ugly head. We lift Betty up to you and we pray for her healing. We lift the Millers and the Moncriefs up to you. We ask that they would turn to you in their hour of sorrow. We lift the Bargers up to you. Mindy, Rick, the boys, 
the entire family. There's no better hands that we want to place them in. There are no surer hands to bring comfort and, if it cannot be made sense of, to at least be the great shoulder to cry on and the one to whom they can cry out with their grief and pain and questions. And you are open to all those things. Father, may our prayers be taken by you and may they become a ministry to those families. Guide us in how you would have us be your presence and your love and your faithfulness in each of these situations. Finally, Father, we proclaim that these kinds of broken situations are not the last word. The resurrection is the last word. And we look forward to the day when you will bring Jesus back and you will recreate us and your world where there's no more sin, no more death, no more darkness, but only your love and your light. And so maybe more than usual, we join with 2,000 years of Christians who say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And we all say, At the beginning of the song, Deborah and Bayrak say, when the people offer willingly themselves, when the people offer willingly, offer themselves, then we say, praise the Lord. What's interesting is sometimes we think that, what am I going to give God? What am I going to give God? But it is always, whatever we give to God, is in response to the greater gift that he has already given us. Somebody say amen. I don't know what you're offering God at this time. I don't know the ways in which you're being used. And, and what's amazing is I look out at you and I know stories of the way you're being used by God in this particular situation to be his ministry and his love, his faithfulness in so many lives. I just want to ask you before you do the next thing that you stop just for a minute and say, Lord, I'm offering this action, this moment, even if it's a, a wave hello to your neighbor, if you have a moment, say, Lord, I'm offering this up to you because I want it to bring you glory. What are you going to offer God? Maybe more importantly, what are you going to say thank you to God for what he has already given would you come as we stand and as we sing? Father of mercy, save my
Good morning. It's great to uh, join with y'all in worship, uh, both y'all that are here in the audience here physically and those that are joining us by our live stream. Thank you for being with us. Um, so one way we join together besides just the worship service is in, is in our acts of service and the service of the church is continuing and I want to uh, encourage you that uh, there's a cost that goes with that service and encourage you to continue as you have been to be consistent in your giving. Uh, for y'all, those here physically, there's an option uh, if you ha have no other, but there's a box in the lobby and envelopes, and you can take advantage of that. Besides, And then those that aren't here physically, there's, uh, there's electronic options, there's mail-in options. Uh, I just encourage you to continue to be consistent in uh, joining with us in that. I have a, a note from the Yates family. Uh, thank you for all the love and support, prayers during our long trip to Michigan and back, cards and flowers that were sent during the loss of Billy's dad. So grateful to belong such a, to such a wonderful church family. Could not have made it without you and God by our side. Thank you. Love, Cindy and Billy and the Yates family. Let's continue to uh, remember the Yates family and uh, ask God's comfort for them as well. Uh, so just some thoughts on hope. Alan did an excellent job. Uh, bringing the story of Deborah and the hope that that should bring to each of us and how we should uh, respond to situations around us. When there's that 900 iron chariots, you know, you can, uh, you can respond with despair and defeat or with hope and victory. Uh, so that's like a lot of things in life. And I'm just thinking about this particular week right here. Uh, uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, what we're what we're remembering is is people that have lost their lives in service of our country. Uh, that's a that's kind of a sad thing that people had to make that sacrifice for us. But on the flip side, you know, it wasn't a week and a half ago that we were joining in celebration of uh, Kevin McBrayer as he was uh, celebrating his honorable discharge after years of service. And so there was there was a joy and a hope there for the rest of his life. Uh, just this week, we've heard about the, the deaths uh, in the Yates family, the Mockery family, and the Barger family. But also just this week, we've heard about the, uh, the birth uh, in the Wonderlick family and the hope that comes with that. Uh, today, we have uh, celebrated uh, and remembered the death of Jesus as our sacrifice for us. But also, we remember and we celebrate the victory that comes through the resurrection. So, so... Life is like that. It's just a roller coaster. And there's going to be moments of sadness and there's going to be moments of joy. And uh, we're going to be at a loss to explain it. We don't understand the highs and we don't really understand everything that's going on behind the lows. Uh, two stories from the Bible real quick that I, that I thought of this morning was, uh, was Jonah. He went to Nineveh. He did his job. He went up on the hillside, sat down, see what was going to happen. And this, this vine sprung up beside him. And the sun was hot, and he was able to sit in the shade, and he's like, life is great. <laughs> it's cool, there's a breeze, and I'm in the shade. And then the thing died, and then the sun beat down on him, and he's like, life is terrible. <laughs> uh, there's no shade, there's no relief for me, everything was bad. Uh, really, he had no explanation for why the vine grew there, and he had no explanation for why the vine died when God asked him. He just knew how he felt about it. And, 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 and how his response was to that. And his was not a response of hope. 
When, when faced with as, adversity, his was a response of despair, of defeat, of anger. And then another story uh, from the Bible uh, is a, the story of Job. Job had everything. He had health, he had wealth, he had family, and he had all of it in buckets. And then he didn't understand why he had all that. Well, I'm saying he knew he had a good relationship with God, but there was no explanation for why he was so blessed. And then it was all taken away from him, down to sitting in an ash pile, scraping his boils with a piece of pottery. And the wealth was gone, the health was gone, and the family was gone. And what, what was Jonah's, uh, excuse me, Job's response? It would have been very easy to do as his wife said and respond in defeat and in despair and curse God and die. That was the advice he got from his wife. Uh, but no, he responded with, a, with, a, uh, with joy and hope. And he says, you know what? I don't understand why. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And then he made his choice. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as Christians, that needs to be our response. Through life, we're not going to understand why we have so much. And we're not going to understand why we have so little. But our response, regardless, needs to be, blessed is the name of the Lord. We know that he holds us in his hand, and there's something more to it than the rest of the story that we don't know. Uh, so uh, Peter did an excellent job of talking uh, about Tess's and her graduation, and it's a, it's a time of great joy. But he, he bookended that with, you know, at the birth, it was a kind of a time of, of, of sorrow in our country. And uh, we didn't understand exactly what was happening. I remember seeing those planes on TV flying to that, and I... I couldn't comprehend what was happening. I didn't understand why it was that way. And, but now it's a time of, uh, of great joy for Tess. You know, she's moving on to the next phase of her life. And uh, what does, what, he, he gave a lot of examples of how she's lived her life in between those two points today. And what, what he's pointed out to us is that she's lived a life that uh, brings joy and hope to those around them. That's, that's the kind of life that God was looking for in the children of Israel during the story of Deborah and that he's looking for each of us. And that's the story that, that Tess has been putting a personal face on for us here this morning. And thank you, Tess, for that, uh, the way that you have encouraged us all. Thank you. If you would, join with me in, in a prayer. Father, we just want to humble ourselves before you. We want to offer up our praise to you. And, Father, we want to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we don't understand all the circumstances, but we understand that you do, and we understand that you have acted on our behalf, and that you will redeem us, and that you have redeemed us, and that you have saved us in every meaning of that word, Father, and we thank you for that. We thank you how you have uh, provided for us, Father. We thank you for how you have provided for us in good times, and we thank you for how you provide for us in the bad times. Father, for those that have experienced loss in our congregation and in the world, Father, uh, we ask for your comfort for those that mourn, for the Yates, the Moncrees, the Barriers especially, Father. Father, for those that, uh, that are uh, sick or ill or weak, Father, we ask for your strength and your healing. Uh, some names we would like to throw out there just in particular, but not exclusively, the Skinners, Wonderlicks, Spencers, the residents and the staff at Country Village Nursing Home, the, the residents and the staff at Creekside Nursing Home. Uh, Father, this weekend especially, we want to, we want to lift up uh, 
the, the names and people that uh, we know that have sacrificed for our country, Father. Uh, we want to thank you that they were willing to do that. We thank you for the way you have blessed us in this country, Father. Uh, we want to ask that you would comfort those families that have, that have experienced personal loss because of that service, Father. Uh, to put a name on that, Father, I want to lift up the families of, uh, of uh, Staff Sergeant Reed and Bennett, who died so that people in my own family would not have to. Father, I ask that you would uh, continue to use this congregation for your service here in this community. Father, see us through this time of uncertainty. Uh, bring us out uh, renewed and stronger on the other side. Father, this is our prayer. In the name of Jesus. Be standing, please. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your Majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in all you. I stand, I stand in all you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in all you, and I stand. I stand in. 